to this week's episode of Let Me Pull On Your Coat. I'm your host, as ever, Peter de Villiers, and I'd like to take you on a journey with five stops. First, we'll just look at something called Through My Eyes, just something I notice that I wonder about. A pebble in your pond is a bit of a bigger idea I want you to think about. A quote, something of the book I'm reading at the moment, and then a record of the week. So jumping into Through My Eyes, and I've talked to my wife about this quite a lot, and um, it's, it's not a new thing I've seen this week, you see it everywhere, but it's the strange notion um, that cancer is a disease different to other diseases. From the perspective of it, it's, it's as if cancer is a bit of a celebrity disease. And by that, I don't mean a disease celebrities get, but it's a celebrity amongst diseases. And particularly the point where you always talk, hear people talking about how they are bravely fighting cancer or they bravely fought but lost the battle against cancer. And you never hear someone talking about bravely fighting heart disease or a broken leg. But for some reason, we, we, we give cancer this personality, this, um, th- this, this thing that we can go and fight, and it's like you can actively fight it. And I don't think you can actively fight cancer any more than you can actively fight any other disease. It's, it's quite strange how... And I wonder if the press has a lot to do with that. I remember as a kid... Um, seeing these ads, sort of a a version of Apple's 1984 ad, um, someone running with a big sledgehammer and then crushing this big um, um, stone structure, spelling out the word cancer and smashing it down. And I remember, I mean, I would have this would have been in the late 80s, and they were talking about how we can all fight cancer and get rid of cancer. Um, but it's just quite strange how it seems as if if you have cancer, um, you perceive it as, or you are at least expected to actively fight this disease. But nobody actively fights other diseases. Um, you just have a disease, um, and then you either die from it or you don't. So it's quite strange um, why um, this one biological process is given completely different status and treatment, but such it is. Moving on to a pebble in your pond. So I've talked about this in the past with um, crime and prison and levels of punishment and retribution and free will and bits, but it's the idea that you are not your most recent mistake. Um, We see this Generally now, it's perceived that you are your most recent mistake and that recent mistake doesn't have to be particularly grievous um, in order for it to derail or destroy a career or a, or a, a life and relationships. And I saw this article about a guy who died recently, um, G. Gordon Liddy, who was one of the masterminds of Watergate. And... He's an interesting character, um, from what I've read so far, and he's the only one who pleaded not guilty. 
and he went to prison and I believe rightly so I mean if if that's that's the way it goes and if what they did was the crime it was then that's fine but the interesting thing is he then had a reasonably successful um, career as a radio host after he came out of prison now I, I would wager that any of the people in so it, he was part of the FBI and everything so anyone in law enforcement today who does something at the behest let's say in the UK of the Prime Minister even just a shadow of what Watergate was would find it very difficult once they come out of prison to have any sort of career let alone something as public as a um, being a radio host and there's a couple of things I actually quite like about this guy but I, I just like the idea that after being caught and standing his ground and going to prison he came out and still lived a full life and whether it's by his own sheer willpower or just a different time, different place, different society that he was afforded the opportunity to live um, a full life thereafter and it is just the case, well if we're going to send people to prison then once you come out of prison then surely the slate should to a large extent be cleared um, and obviously that depends a bit on the crime but um, I quite like the fact that he went I mean he's, he was adamant that he would do it again for his president and I really like the idea that he he had a car he drove around with a number plate which was H2O gate which um, there, there's something about that rebellious streak that I think had a big part to play in his success um, but yeah, just just think about that idea. You are not your most recent mistake. That also means the people around you who might have harmed you are not their most recent mistake. Um, so yeah, interesting idea. Moving on to a quote. This is a quote of Christopher Hitchens. Now, there are many I could have chosen. Um, I love the... the I could watch YouTube videos of him just for his use of language um, just his variety of his vocabulary is just so so vast um, and his memory recall and, and stuff but um, the quote is I still make sure to go at least once every year to a country where things cannot be taken for granted and where there is either too much law and order or too little um, and I like that I, I, I try and remind my daughters every now and again when they complain about how hard life can be at the age of 8 and 10 um, I do try and remind them how hard life can actually be um, and how different it is for a very large proportion of the world and it's, um, it's just quite interesting that I think they'll gain from that constant reminder but I think unless they actually see it um, it might be it might not be as impactful so I think I might try and um, take them somewhere um, I can't remember now I did read about um, someone 
um, who um, I think he, he worked as it was very early on one of the engineers with Google and, and became very successful and runs their um, investment arm um, and he he has this thing he he did it where his teenage daughter um, was living too much in the lap of luxury and still feeling that life is really hard so they went for a three-week holiday to India um, and didn't um, just stay in fancy hotels or anything but actually made sure that they are aware of India and and what it can be like and I think doing that every now and again either for our kids or for ourselves can only be valuable so yeah go and see how the rest of the world actually lives what I'm reading Jeffrey West scale I have finished it um, but you'll have to wait for something from another book for next week's episode the book finishes very interestingly about the fact that can we sustain the scaling of cities and companies and economies at the rate that we have now and what's required because he makes the point that the issue we face is that once we started using fossil fuels we started using energy in a closed system and extracting energy from that closed system whereas using the sun's energy it's an open system the source of energy is outside of the system consuming the energy and we do have um, near and for practical purposes infinite um, energy from the sun um, and it does make the point that we have to out innovate our problems we don't have the luxury of holding on to the past um, and it calls for something of a tech revolution so be it electric cars solar panels or science that we don't know about um, ideas that have not been had yet we need them and we need them faster and faster because we do need to disrupt the established ways of doing things um, because the scaling can't continue if we're consuming energy from a closed system and this also goes back he poses a question in the book but this goes back to my quote um, of going to other countries but he talks about well could we as humanity rather than focus the amount of energy we do on on getting bigger better faster um, at the spearhead what technology what innovation can we have to actually bring the rest of the world up to the standard of living that we currently enjoy in developed countries primarily in the west um, and that goes back to a quote that i mentioned previously about how the the future is already here it's just not equally distributed so what technology can we come up with what innovations can we have to rather than improve or change necessarily what's going on in the wealthy countries but put that focus into imagine if the standard of living was the same for all nations as what it is in the UK or the US or France or Germany um, currently rather than us essentially living in those people's futures
um, which could be quite interesting. And, and I don't think it's necessarily different technology. It's just where we apply that technology. Um, so yeah, um, we need smart people and clever ideas. Which brings us on to the record of the week, which is Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers. The album's called Monin, um, recorded in 1958, released in 59. And listening to it this week, I remember there's a couple of tracks on the album um, which I used to play in little jazz ensembles when I was a kid growing up. Um, but it made me realize that we played it having never heard the the actual original recordings. I mean, we, we played it off sheet music. We had a couple of really good teachers, um, a Belgian trombone player, De Schmet, and a um, American trumpeter, Ron Gachet. And then we had um, Noel Stockton, um, piano, who who taught us. And for the most part, we never heard the recordings we were actually trying to play. We were just playing off the sheet music and being told what to do here and there. And listening to this record again, it made me realize that we just had no idea of what these songs were actually like. Um, and it gave me a thought for next week's episode for the Through My Eyes, um, which I will keep up my sleeve for then but yeah art blakey and the jazz messengers um great album and just quite interesting what 1950 58 59 um such a rich period of time for music um you've got art blakey on the drums lee morgan on trumpet benny goldson tenor sax bobby timmons on piano and jamie merritt on bass and that was, of course, recorded in the Van Gelder studio, um, as so many of the records of that era and beyond was recorded by Rudy Van Gelder's um, studio in New Jersey. So, yeah, go and find that um, and enjoy it. It's a fabulous album. Um, it's quite raucous. Um, I was listening to it on vinyl, so I was about to tell you about the first track on side two. But if you're finding this on Spotify, it's a track called The Drum Thunder Suite, um, which is um, really cool and, and really full on. But yeah, go and find that. And that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Thanks for being here. Um, I will be here next week. I hope that you will too and you'll give me another chance to pull on your coat. 